John Deere announces the new lineup of high horsepower four track tractors, including an 830 horsepower option. There's three new models introduced the 9RX 710, the 9RX 770, and the 9RX 830. It's autonomy ready. The new John Deere 18 engine eliminates the need for diesel exhaust fluid and offers an optional 168 gallon per minute triple pump hydraulic system. Command View 4 Plus Cab receives updates for increased operator comfort and visibility. Advanced technology package includes G5 Plus command center, display, and integrated Starfire 7500 receiver. The high horsepower 9RX models available for order in mid-March. For more information, go to JohnDeere.com or contact your local John Deere dealer. Honestly, didn't even think about that. That's a really dumb question now that I yeah that I put into I, perspective. I'll be honest. I was a little bit worried coming on this podcast. A lot of people are. Well, <laughs> yeah. Someone someone that wasn't on the blacklist had to come in and say something positive <laughs> before she could interact. Did there is a podcast in Iowa? Fun for profit was named by the fate stirred up a banker near. Then quick came an auctioneer. Making profit was their first goal, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Soon may the farmers come to bring us guests and beer and fun. One day when the recording's done, we'll take our mics and go. These formats shook us to our core. With fun for fun, you will not snore. Bankers set all mics to on, and the mullet of podcasts was born. Soon may the farmers come to bring us guests and beer and fun. One day when the recording's done, we'll take our mics and go. Before we knew, conversations grew. Growing corn even said, F you. So won't you join Tenor, Dave, Corey, and crew? Please like, share, review. Soon may the farmers come to bring us guests and beer and fun. One day when the recording's done, we'll take our mics and go. All right, welcome back to a Farm for Fun show of the Farm for Profit podcast. This is Tanner Woodruff. This is Corey Hillebo. And there's the sound of crickets. Yeah. Because Dave. we are missing our third wheel. Yeah, Dave well, it didn't sound us. very nice. That's nice to call. That's not nice to call Dave the third wheel. <laughs> He's probably the first wheel. He's just gone. <laughs> just so we're gone. running on two and we're, three. We're just trying to balance on the back two. But yeah. listeners, tell us what you think of the new intro music. That was Tyler Richton and the High Bank Boys. Let us know. We still got some tweaking to do. This is the very first dropping. Hopefully, of the you new like sea shanties. Farm for fun <laughs> intro music. So let us know if you hate it. If you absolutely hate it, that is just fine. Just let us know. And send us all the rest of your recommendations and rate and review. Farm for profit LLC at gmail.com. We appreciate all reviews, Corey. What's one we got today? Yeah, we got one from Buck underscore 1970. Love your podcast. I never turn on the TV anymore. Also started following you on TikTok. Thanks, friends. Yeah, I don't know if we can replace TV. That's <laughs> that's a tall order. I think just generally people are just cutting the cord on TV. Yeah. So <laughs> thanks, well, thanks for it, though. Go out to YouTube. We are recording these in video, so there are going to be clips out there. You can find us on YouTube if you're uh, not exhausted by what we're talking about to you once a week already. Yep. Did you talk about this is the this is the fun show? This is fun. That's right. This is our so, farm for fun format. Farm for profit was the last episode that you see in the queue. With a what's working in ag segment, a general topic, and then a challenge for you. This is fun. We're going to kick back and have a conversation with somebody that I've been waiting to talk to for a very long time. Yeah, this is going to be good. I think we should get into it. And before we introduce, don't forget to go out to farmforprofit.com and check out the offers with BW Fusion and the link to the Travis Burkhart Foundation charity auction. Yeah. 
Got some good stuff going there. All right, enough of that. We're done with announcements, right, Corey? Uh, I think so. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Today on the Mullet of Ag podcast, we are getting that spring itch to get back into the field with this nice weather. We have a very, very special guest joining us from the social media and ag world. This woman is a powerhouse and, dare I say, living legend. When she speaks or tweets, everyone stops and listens because it's always mind-stimulating and pure. She made the 2020 year of compounding experiences look like a walk in the park. She is the director of PR and social for John Deere, Jen Hartman. All right. Woo. All right, Jen. Have you had an introduction wow. like that before? I cannot wait to play that for my husband. <laughs> I'm just going to have that on repeat at the house. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we try to go a little over the top. I don't know. Something. We appreciate something you taking crazy. the time. So we try to make you feel special when you log on. Oh, so we we first started talking about having Jen on, gosh, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, and never thought it would happen. Um, you know, it was it was tough last year being asked to do any interviews outside of my job because so much was happening with my job. Yep. It's sometimes hard to differentiate. And I, I think when I you first reached out to me, um, I was just concerned about giving the impression that everything was great and fun and lighthearted when in fact things really weren't right. I mean, right. Yeah. So, well, you sure did it. You sure did a great job because you must be like a, like a duck, you know, calm on the surface and just swimming like crazy underneath. So Jen, can you uh, share with our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you, what your job is? Oh gosh. So I started in my current role on March 1st of 2020, which I swear there's a book in here somewhere, but my predecessor, Ken Golden, was the head of PR for Deer for 21 years, and he retired on February 28th of last year, (laughs) and I frequently tell people this story. Um, You know, I have been at Deer for uh, just over a dozen years. Um, I have had dreams of being in this position, leading PR for deer since I was a college kid. And I had the opportunity to be in different communications roles for deer. I took on the lead social role a few years ago and reported to Ken um, before I was announced as, um, you know, the the person who'd take his place. And we sat down on February 28th and I asked him you know, hey, Ken, if there happens to be some significant crisis that faces the company sometime down the road, would it be okay if I reached out to you? Yeah. Did he say yes? He didn't. (laughs) He said no. And I, you know, in looking back, I continue to thank him actually for it. Number one, I think he, he really genuinely wanted me to stand on my own. And he wanted to make sure that I didn't lean on him in the event there was a crisis. He trusted me to manage it. Um, And I will tell you when the pandemic really started, you know, coming to reality um, and started impacting our business there in mid-March, I was grateful that I didn't have him to lean on because I very quickly had to just step in and make decisions. So you're saying he didn't have the crystal ball and knew that all of a sudden the world was going to fall apart and just said no for that reason. 
that oh my gosh, right? It 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 was a it was an astute decision on his part to say no, yes, and a blessing for me in the end. That's so crazy to think. February twenty eighth last year, you were sitting there and he told you no, and you just asked him a question that you probably weren't even thinking, like the pandemic. You know the. You know I I've been at the company for twelve years at that point, maybe eleven years at that point, and you know we have events that happen right at factories or units, whether it's a natural disaster or a significant injury, but to face uh, a worldwide pandemic that impacted over 70 units globally, that was beyond anything. I don't think any of us could have ever imagined. Wow. You ought to be set experience wise for the rest of your career. Oh gosh, I joke. I yeah, I joke. I've been in this role for a year, but I've had ten years of experience. And yeah, that's why I said the year, the twenty twenty, the year of compounding experience. As I tweeted back at you, yeah, that day, like, that's true. I um, one of the one of the great things about it, if I can, you know, and I tend to be someone who does look at everything a little bit, perhaps too optimistically, is that it requ- it forced me to immediately make connections with people in such meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. You know, had I just like came into the office that first day, I would have been making calls to people. Hey, could I set up some time with you? I'd love to know what you do. I understand you're head of investor relations or I had your, you know, understand you're in charge of supply management. Um, immediately, I was part of a crisis response team that was addressing every facet of the company and the business. And so it really did um, expose me to a lot of folks in the company, um, really helped me understand the business very quickly. Um, and so, um, yeah, ultimately, this first year, I think, will make the rest of my time here feel like cake, I <laughs> yeah, hope. What a, what, what a thing to put on the resume. Yeah, I managed all Dear Social and PR through 2020. Oh, and, you're hired. And there weren't any dumpster <laughs> fires. Yeah, <laughs> or, or obvious, at least to us as outstand, you know, bystanders here on the outside. Uh, I'd compliment you and say, I think you did a good job. Yeah, well, you know, I, I will tell you that being able to manage Deer's Twitter handle is my mental sanity. Like <laughs> I at night, you know, people will say, Hey, you know, now, cause we have a social media manager. Um, and what we've really done is just had each of us on the team take a channel and I just cannot give up Twitter. Um, I personally am addicted to it, but being able to jump on every night or over the weekend is not work to me. And when I have that opportunity at night to jump on, see what the community we've built, and, and you guys know this from being on there, it's a really tight-knit community. Oh, yeah. At Twitter is tight-knit, right? Yeah. And I feel like the Dear Twitter handle has really built some trust there and a rapport, and you know we're able to be more conversational. Um, that's the highlight of my week is when I'm behind that Dear handle and engaging with folks on... Which which as a company is, is kind of amazing, like because... We've kind of noticed, you know, you tweet from the farm for profit account and you get, yeah, yeah, sometimes, but you treat, you tweet personally and you get a ton of traction. So to yes. do it as a company shows how far it has truly come for you guys. Yeah. The, you know, the secret is, um, is to stop worrying about what you're posting and just engage, Yep. you know, that, it, and I don't know, a couple of years ago, I, I kind of started going around to everyone in the company um, because in the past, 
Twitter was kind of treated like all the product lines in the company just submitted the content they wanted to share. And then the social team either approved it or rescheduled it. Um, and I, I learned really quickly that Twitter's, the greatest value in Twitter is the community you can build. Mm -hmm. And yeah. why would anyone follow a brand that's just going to advertise to them? Yep. It, none of us would. I wouldn't, right? Yep. And so I knew we had an opportunity to start engaging with fans and and with customers, right? We've had 24-7 customer support on social for, you know, even before I got on this team. Um, so I think that's been that's been fun to watch. Well, I think it's fun to watch the deer account, but one of my favorite accounts is your personal one. Mm -hmm. And just like Corey said in his introduction, I feel like when you tweet something out, the whole Twitter verse just stops and reads it, takes it in and, and applies it. Maybe that's just my personal no, reaction I, I to feel it. Like but, it. No, they do. It's just likes and retweets and but engagement. Then the, the comments, the comments below your, your, yeah. there's almost more value in the comments than the original post because how thoughtful they've been in analyzing whatever message it was that you put out. Yeah. You know, I, um, gosh, it was like December of 2018. Um, God, no, 2019. It wasn't until the beginning of 2020. Um, I was starting to help, um, our CEO build a social presence on LinkedIn. And we also had employees in the company that wanted to start building their own personal brand on, on social. Um, and so I thought, if I'm going to help people do this, I need to figure out what it takes. I had about 600 followers. And I remember I was at CES. Um, it would have been CES of 2020. God, isn't it weird how time, it's like, you can't keep track of time. Yeah. Right. It just, yeah. Just oh weird. my gosh. It feels like, when was that? And um, the social media manager for the New York Stock Exchange, Matthew Kobach, tweeted out that I was someone to follow. Huh. And I remember I, I, I had taken a plane leaving Vegas out of CES. And when I landed, I had like 3,000 followers. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, I felt some pressure like, okay, he said I was someone to follow. Well, I, I need to, you know, live up to this. And I will want to, it's been really um, valuable for me to learn what it takes to build a following. Um, I think that has helped me counsel my colleagues at Deer. I will also tell you it is a challenge and a half on a daily basis to be the spokesperson for the company and to find balance where I can be myself, but not tip my hat one way or the other on, you know, yeah. political beliefs, you know, personal opinions. Mm -hmm. um, so what I've really done, and you've seen it from my feed is one of the things I feel very passionately about is that we are not honest enough with young people about how challenging it is no matter how old you are or how how long you've been in an industry. Um, you know, there's this, I feel like, this misperception that people that are further along in their career suddenly have this innate wisdom and have everything figured out and know all the answers. And I've kind of made it my mission to remind people that none of us have it figured out. We're <laughs> all trying to figure it out on a daily basis. And half the time we're guessing. Mm -hmm. There's no map. It's you have to like trust your gut and go. Um, and so I found out that that resonated with people. And and so I've just kind of stuck with that. That's awesome. It, it's it's fun to put it into perspective. We 
have had quite a few of our guests start podcasts of their own and immediately reflect on us as being the expert. And just <laughs> like you said, we are far, far from it. We still have audio and visual technical difficulties. Every time we set up, yeah. there's always some, there's always a different problem. <laughs> well, one, we're always adding and trying to be better. And right. So we have a new cord going here and a new camera going there. But Yeah, the best the best thing that I, I think of is it's it's a temperament to not let that allow yourself to shut down, to yeah. embrace that as a challenge, and let's overcome it. Let's just fix it, yeah, move for on. For sure, for sure. So how long do you think you think uh, – Think about a tweet before you put it out on your personal <laughs> side. Just a, it's a question there because like I, I th- don't, you know what? I don't at all. I'm not one of those people that has like drafts all like set up. You just wow. I, I just I'll have moments where I'll think, you know, I'm gonna put this out I'm, there. I'm serious. Like everyone is like a mini TED talk. I was. Yeah, oh my I was gosh. Because <laughs> that's it's that so was deep. my my same thought was I I don't have drafts either, but the quality that I put out is nothing compared to the thoughts that you release. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I, I, I've been in com- communications my whole life. Don't you guys think, I mean, Twitter is like the ultimate challenge and it's like a puzzle for me. You need to say something in that 200 characters or less mm-hmm. that will mean something that will resonate. Right. Yep. And um, so it's almost like a puzzle for me to, um, you know, figure out what to take my thought and to make it concise and yet, you know, resonate with your audience. And on top of that, you have the algorithms. They have to appease, right? You know what? That's, that's, I'll I'll tell you what, a huge lesson for me too, is that individual reach is exponentially greater than a brand channel can reach, Yeah. right? So all those platforms and part of what I've been educating my colleagues on is that, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, those are all advertising platforms. They want brands like Deer to pay to reach our audience. Mm -hmm. Right. So the only way we can reach our audience is if we're, entertaining or we're engaging in a two-way you know dialogue with fans and customers um so there's a misconception that if you tweet from the deer handle with its 200,000 followers you're going to reach a lot more people but that's not true um the algorithms are really tough on brands Um, you need to Get take a book out of, or a page out of Wendy's book and go kind of poke case or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always funny when you see those. I do like seeing when <laughs> Wendy's takes after you know, Chick fil A or Burger King yeah, or whatever it is. It's always funny. You know, you, you might see every once in a while we'll put a little bit of, you know, we'll poke fun. But one of the other things that, and I, I give my colleague Brian Tory in, in advertising for, for Brian Tory and Jan Anderson are my colleagues in, in the Ag and Turf advertising team. And when I joined the social team, I was, I was on a mission, like we should be engaging with the farming industry, whether they own red machines or yellow machines or green machines, why would we not want to engage with all farmers and celebrate all farmers, regardless of what equipment they, you know, operate. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, and I just feel very strongly about that. That's, we have fun every now and then, but I also don't want, you know. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not malicious, you know. Right. It's always in good fun. Or, or, right. Or we like giving Andy Pastor some hassle about his red combine. But. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. just noticing in the background of where you're sitting, the Andy Clean sticker. Yeah, that is, that's my favorite tweet. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite tweet because I, and I enjoy this too as someone on Twitter. It's like, if you know, you know. You know, like if you can tweet something that your community gets, but no one else does, you've just nailed it, right? Right. 
And when we tweeted out this picture of the new X9, um, it was fun to see. It was almost like an Easter egg, right? Like people realizing, oh, wait a second, what's on the, <laughs> what right. is on that combine? And sure enough, <laughs> it's an Andy Clean sticker. So was that you that lined that all that up with Andy? That was that was we didn't line anything up with him. He had no idea that was coming. Really? Well, all, had, what about all the stickers that started? The stickers. So that was that was my colleagues in Ag and Turf, and it, it was part of you know it just kind of grew because we saw, you know, some of the the you know just. God, I love when I see all the little kids now, yeah, right, that yeah, are that's... aspiring to clean their equipment. I mean, what a great, wholesome message, yep. right, to yep. encourage people to take care of their equipment, to take pride in ownership, and to see, you know, farm families sharing that and, and looking for Andy Clean's approval. Um, and so I just started chatting with um, Brian and Jen about, you know, what could we do to really enhance this and, and to recognize um, what we're seeing here. So. And we've had Andy on the podcast and just a super stellar guy all the way around. Yeah. Uh, another one of those that we could talk to for hours and hours. Uh, he actually sent us some stickers. We're yeah. raising money for the Travis Burkhart Foundation. So a couple of the auction items are the John Deere themed stickers and then yeah. the, the black and gray themed stickers if you didn't want to be John yeah. Deere to help raise money. So even, you know, even genuine to the point to where he sent some of those down to That's try and cool. raise some funds. Yeah. Good That's guy. Cool. You kind of alluded to it that you thought from a young age that you always wanted to do PR for John Deere. Yeah. Is that really what little Jen wanted to do when she grew up? Yeah. I had an aunt who worked for John Deere. Ah. And, you know, we always have that. Everyone has that cool aunt or uncle, right? Mm, that, yeah. You know, you thought was the coolest. And, you know, her Christmas presents were always the coolest. And, and she worked at Deere. She was an administrative assistant for Deere. And uh, so I grew up. And of course, I grew up in the Quad Cities, and and Deer's a premier employer yep. um, here in this area. So I went away to school. At first, I was going to be an, an English teacher. Um, I just loved English and communications, um, and I discovered PR, um, and um, got an internship at Edelman Public Relations downtown Chicago. And I remember being on the train going back and forth um, that commute, you know dreaming of someday heading up PR for John Deere. That's crazy. I mean, I felt like at a, at a fairly young age, I knew I wanted to be in finance and be in banking, but, yeah. but to have the company picked out, no, wasn't even close. Yeah. Well, and then one of my first jobs out of college, I was the marketing manager for the Illinois Soybean Association and checkoff board. And I, I don't come from a farm family. I lived in a very, very rural community, but I, I was not raised on a farm. Um, but you know, it's just like my life just kind of ended up on that trajectory. Um, and I, I loved working with farmers and loved the work at the soybean association and checkoff board, um, got a job at United way of the quad cities, um, and got very connected with a lot of folks at deer loved the mission of United way. So I was there for eight or nine years. Um, but then landed here at deer. Sounds like the dream story. Yeah. It was. And my first job at Deer was I was the gold key manager. Oh, really? At Harvester Works. So my very first job at Deer got to be hosting customers when did who you wanted work to there? see and start. Uh, so 12 years ago okay. is when I started. I think, it, I think about 20 years ago, I went through the gold key tour with my dad and grandpa. Yeah, that was a great introduction too, right? Yeah. I got to, and got to meet visitors from all over the world. Yep, something that um, was, you know, instilled in me at a young age. It's pretty cool. Pretty well, cool to see. 
I think for me too, it helped. I was, I was at Harvester Works for almost seven or eight years, but um, boy, you get to see firsthand what our brand means to people Mm -hmm. when you see families come in to experience that gold key tour. Um, So I think that has been, I think that has helped in doing social and PR um, because I know how much this brand is connected to so many families. We have to appease Doll Distributing. (laughs) Um, They gave us some nice uh, beer to try here. So real quick, we're trying their, uh, what is it? Goose Island. Goose Island, and we're trying their Lemon Shandy. We've tried Goose Island before. Yes, but they brought brought a couple extra Goose Islands this time, and uh, I think the main one was to kick off the warmer weather. So we'll pause here real quick and give the, what is it again? It's not summer. It's Lemonade Shandy. Lemonade Shandy. All right, we're going to taste this real quick, Jen. I thought maybe you chose it because it was yellow. Well, actually, almost. it is almost no. deer colors. Who's yeah? Who'd have thought that? Literally, the no, it, it's given to us. We had no hand wow. in doing this, but that's actually pretty good. It's got a more of a bite to it than I'm used to in a lemonade. Dave would like this one. He would have. Poor guy. Poor guy just doesn't can't say no to working. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, that's a good beer. Thank you, Dole, for putting this together. So before we get completely out of the PR thing, I know you wanted to go away from it. I actually had a couple questions. (laughs) I'm just, I'm truly interested in like, so like Deer is a large, large company. Like how many, how many employees does Deer have? Almost 70,000. 70,000 employees. So like the town of Ankeny. For all of you that don't know where Ankeny is. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like a large town. And so I'm interested. So, you know, social media has so many great things. Right. Lots of great stuff. It has a lot of bad stuff too. And a lot of people yes. hating and, and all that stuff. So what's like, what's the dynamic of the team? Like how many people do you have on a team? Do you have people assigned to like the hate messages, people assigned to the good stuff? <laughs> like how, what's the response? Like, ah, we're not going to respond to that, but that one, we're going after that guy. We have a team of five people. That's it. That's it. I'm trying to think. That's a lot compared to what I had a year ago. What? Um, yeah. Um, we have typically ran with three people. Yikes! I and need that many just for farm for profit. <laughs> yeah. Now we have we have social media in 54 countries, and there's someone in each of those countries that's they. It might not be full time, or it might be part of another job they have. So we do have some colleagues globally, um, but for North America. It's, we have two community managers, um, we have a social media manager, and um, we have um, like a social media specialist who does all the monitoring. So we have someone 40 hours per week, their job is to come in and they're monitoring all the channels. They're referring customer support questions to the right people. Um, they're alerting us if there's any issues. But for the most part, yeah, it's it's just a small number of us i would have thought that would have been a lot larger Mm -mm. deal that's amazing really yeah so that was i guess i i I put two questions into that one now we do have we we have a customer support team that's part of our you know if you were to call customer the customer support number for deer we have a few people that are assigned to social so like on nights and weekends and holidays they answer customer support questions so tonight when I technical so tonight when I put a tweet out to John Deere, someone's going to see it. It's not going to be you. So I I'm on Twitter. I mean I check Twitter every night. All right. Um, yeah. If it's a customer support question, they'll take it. They'll know um, that it's theirs. Um, 
but I mean, if you, yeah, if you're going to ask, like, how do I, how do I fix this belt that just broke on my tractor? I'm not the one that'll answer. Right. That. Well, I won't test them. Is I there like a chart them. that says, all right, if they said this, go to this, if they said this, go to that. And if they're bashing this, we're going <laughs> to, or is it all just experience? There, um, you know, we do, we do generally speaking, you know, you do learn, um, you learn who to avoid. <laughs> um, you learn um, who not to respond to. We have a, a software tool that all of us on the back end have visibility to. And so we, you know, we don't want one of our customer support people to look stupid if they respond to a troll mm-hmm. right. that we know is it right. So, um, so we try to prevent that from happening. Um, and, and quite honestly, we just don't respond to people that are, yeah. mean or abusive or um looking to get a rise out of us Wouldn't we just it be don't fun respond. to see that list we it would be kind of fun <laughs> it would be kind of fun to see that list but i i agree with your tactic because if if you don't give them validation that's what they're looking for just let it fizzle well, out yeah well and, and you know you think about it, if someone comments and a lot of times there's there's those you know bots right they'll come after us um and they'll start attacking us on any number of issues um, and typically most people don't see those comments. If it's someone that's got, you know, someone that started their account last week and they've got two followers, if Deer responds, we're going to give that oxygen. Right. We're going to give that validity. Yeah. And, you know, and, and a lot of our colleagues, right, it's hard for our colleagues to see what people say about our company. And they'll say, oh, you need to respond or you need to correct them. or, um, And quite frankly, that's the last thing we want to do. Yeah. That's where your brand speaks for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can echo it's that true. just in the just in having a podcast, and we're small potatoes, but like, oh, yeah, yeah, we get a few haters or trolls or whatever, you know. And at first, it was fun to go back at them, but it doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> You're better off just living in their head rent free and not responding. Well, and you guys know this from being on social, and it, and this is how I always uh, you know describe it because it is hard for people that love our brand and our company and it is hard for even our team sometimes to be on the receiving end of it especially if there's an issue that someone takes like a, a group takes an offense to um it's like five percent on the right and five percent on the left have the loudest voices on social yeah. right yeah and man it's just like the 90 percent of the people in the middle just want to <laughs> Have conversations and engage with one another. So you almost have to train yourself over time to ignore those voices on either end of the spectrum that are just out to hate. Right. All right. Am I allowed to step out of the PR role? Yeah, let's go. All right. So you're celebrating a 10-year anniversary. I am. Congratulations. Thank you. Could you share a little bit with our audience about what that 10-year anniversary is? Sure. So um, just over 10 years ago, about 10 and a half years ago, um, I started having severe migraines. I've had headaches my whole life, but I started having migraines that were off the charts. And I went and saw my doctor. They had some MRIs done. um, And she called me up to her office. Um, I sat, they they sent me in, in, in a waiting room for her everybody leaves. I'm watching like all the lights go off and my doctor comes in and she's got this huge manual in her, in her hands. And she sets it down on the table in front of me and flips it open to a picture of a brain. 
and says, you know, I'm, I know since I've made you, made you wait so long, you probably already know what I'm about to tell you. You have a brain tumor. <sighs> and it was just like they say, like it was an out of body experience. Like I, she kept talking, you know, she was talking and I remember her saying, you know, would you like to me just prescribe you some Valium? A lot of people that get a diagnosis like this, you know, like to have that. And I remember thinking, God, this is serious. <laughs> she, yeah. Like how many times do you get offered Valium with a diagnosis? Yeah. Um, what, what we ended up finding after six months of, of visiting different doctors and specialists is I had something that's called a vagal schwannoma, which is a rare brain tumor that wraps itself around your vagus nerve. A vagal, say that again, a vagal schwannoma? Vagal schwannoma. schwannoma. Vagal schwannoma. And um, the vagus nerve, among other things, controls your vocal cords. And because it controls your vocal cords, it also controls your ability to eat and swallow without choking. Ooh, so your, vo your vocal cords open and close over your esophagus so that you don't choke. Yeah, like to, <laughs> to protect your lungs so that you don't choke, right, sure, when you're yeah. eating or drinking. And so the diagnosis I was given is that this tumor um, had wrapped itself around that nerve and I had a couple options. I could wait and see. Um, and that was not a great option because if it were to continue to grow, it could have been irreversible. Mm -hmm. um, or I could get surgery to have it removed. And that wasn't the best option because even surgery could have damaged that nerve. Um, they gave me a 90% chance I would need a feeding tube. 90? 90% chance. But I'll be honest, you guys, after hearing you have a brain tumor... I had no experience prior to that to know that hearing like that a brain tumor could be benign. Yeah. I, I just, I just took brain tumor as a death sentence. Yep, yeah, that's it. Right. And how much time do I have? Right. And so hearing that I might have a need a feeding tube, I still thought, my gosh, I'm still going to be here. Yeah. Right. I'm still going to be here. So I can do this. I remember them asking me, you know, are you in a career that requires you to communicate a lot? I'm only in communications, but uh. yeah, and this is I was that's this is when I was at Harvester Works with the gold key tours. Yeah. Um when I went through this. And uh as it turns out, certainly I'm speaking to you now and gosh, it it's it's emotional for me to even be able to do interviews like this at this time, right? Sometimes you kind of forget, but the I, I ended up getting surgery at Mayo. And I woke up um, with the ability to speak in a semi-whisper, uh, you know, voice of some kind. Um, and so I knew immediately that I had a chance, right? That maybe yeah. the vocal cords wouldn't be quite as damaged as they had anticipated. Mm -hmm. um, it took me a few months. I couldn't really eat without choking for a few months. But clearly, um, the nerve bounced back and... So now if you compare your voice today yeah. to maybe a home video of you before, is it's it similar? Deeper. Oh, it is it's deeper. Okay. deeper, yeah. Good for radio. Yeah. <laughs> In podcast. <laughs> yeah. So do you have to go to like a bunch of uh, speech therapy and everything to get your, your I voice did, back? You know, I did a little bit. I did a little bit of physical therapy afterwards. I was consulting with Iowa City and their ear, nose, and throat specialists. 
Um, but ultimately, it's kind of funny because at the time I was late 30s and I was considered young. Um, at, you know, like at the time, um, I was, we were also trying to have a baby and I was considered old. So, um, you know, they just, you know, said that because of how young I was, that nerve just was able to, to heal itself and bounce back. And that's great. Yeah. We're super glad it did. Yeah. Yeah. Huge blessing. Yeah. So is that something that they're scared could come back or. Anything I just, like I, I go back, um, I just went back for a 10 year scan in December and it was completely clear. Part of it is that these are so rare. Mayo is using me as a study. Oh. Um, and to also have no residual damage is pretty miraculous. That's amazing. Yeah. You probably are in a textbook somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have me come back for, you know, just to, I think chart my progress, but I think long-term they want to, because these are so rare, they want to make sure it doesn't come back. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when it's uh, very important that you're still around because you have a special daughter, right? I do. I have an 18 year old daughter who was diagnosed with autism when she was three. And that made this diagnosis, by the way, even more problematic because I knew being able to communicate with her uh, was essential. Yeah, absolutely. And if there was anything I was concerned about losing the ability to speak, it was how am I going to communicate effectively with her? Because um, parents, right, just e- with, you know, special needs kids, we innately know our kids. We all do, right? But yeah. with a special needs child, you understand better than anybody how to connect um, and how to communicate effectively. So, um, yeah, this was, it was a big deal. And I, I remember my colleagues at Deer and, you know, I always wanted to gr- work at Deer, but I will tell you guys this company and just how much I love the people here and how absolutely amazing they were through that experience. I, I will be here the rest of my life. Um, and they, they all went in together, a bunch of people that I didn't even know went together and bought me an iPad so that I could before I went into surgery, record books for, to read to my daughter. Um, I remember I recorded things like get your shoes, you know, brush your teeth. I love you. Um, those things that I might not be able to say afterwards, I put on an iPad so that I was ready to communicate with her um, in the event I couldn't speak anymore. I, I can't describe the feeling that just it hit my body right now. But to know that that just any person to think through and a group of people to support an individual as such, uh, and then what was playing through my mind, and I know I didn't hear everything you just said, which I'm glad this is on recording, yeah. is, is how you would have felt when you made those recordings. Oh, yeah. That, I get goosebumps talking about it. Oh, I, yeah. I get emotional. Yeah. I, I remember, too, because this was a choice. If there was anything through that experience, you know, and I don't know if you've had serious medical conditions, but you think doctors will tell you what to do. You know, I was visiting with the top specialists at Mayo. I thought Mayo would say, here's your course of action. Here's, you know, what we recommend. Now go forth and make that happen, right? Um, And they don't. It was completely up to me. I could wait and see or I could get the surgery. So that day going in, and it was March 10th, um, 10 years ago, knowing I was choosing this 
And my mom and dad were there. My husband, my sister and brother were there. Knowing everything I said to them might be the last time. Mm -hmm. And then being put on that gurney to go back for, to prep for surgery. um, One of my most vivid memories was being on that gurney and the doors opened and knowing that if I just put my hand out, I could stop. Like I could stop. Yeah. And I could say, never mind, never mind, never mind. I don't want to do this. Um, Yeah, it was, it was pretty daunting. I'm struggling to put it into perspective because of the magnitude that that had as a potential impact on your life. I mean, I, everybody on the podcast land knows that I just had a couple of hernias fixed this winter. And when you're talking about a 90% rate that it's not going to go the right way, that's one of those procedures that is you know, 99.8% effective and no, no, but still I was scared going, you know, being put under and not knowing if I'm going to wake up again. We had it. We have a family tradition now. It's kind of funny you say that because, um, I also knew I might not be able to eat again. Like, and so we, my whole family, we held a Jen's favorite foods dinner before I went up to Mayo and it was like all my favorite foods. And we had the whole family come over and it was like my favorite stuff. I love chilies enchilada soup and it was sushi. And it was, I mean, it was just this mix of all my favorite foods. And so our whole family now we have a tradition that anyone going into surgery gets to have their favorite meal uh, before they go it's into like surgery. So modern that's actually day last supper with a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what's for dessert? What's for Jen's right. favorite dessert? I don't, I, I don't remember if I had a dessert. You know what? My mom's M&M cookies. That's what I had. Oh, that sounds That's good. That's what it was. Yeah. She makes amazing cookies. Oh, so. that's awesome. So the, that's another storyline that's fun to follow is your daughter and what she's doing as you yeah. said, 19, 18 or is she 18 or 19? She's 18. 18. What she's doing as an 18 year old woman is, yeah. is remarkable. I mean, that, that alone is a fascinating story to follow. That surgery I had too, though, launched a whole other chapter of my life, which is I got out of that surgery and I was on boards all over the Quad Cities. I was on chamber boards and charity boards. And, you know, I was lending, you know, PR and communications expertise to a lot of volunteer organizations that I care about. But when I was recovering from that surgery, I kind of, it it gives you pause, right? Like, where am I putting my time Mm -hmm. and what's most important to me? Well, of course, my daughter and being a better and stronger advocate for autism is really what I decided I was going to put my time and energy into outside of work. And so my husband and I, and my ex-husband, we started a nonprofit called Royal Ball Run for Autism. And, um, and part of that was to celebrate her. She was absolutely obsessed with all things princes and princesses at the time. And so we started it as a a race to raise awareness with runners um, about autism. It has since grown into a huge community of autism families. Um, We've given back over a quarter of a million dollars to autism programs And it has been really instrumental in her development, which was not intentional. I never started it intending for her to get career skills, independent living skills. 
Um, but she now wants to be a party planner. Really? And part of that has been her involvement with Royal Ball. She just finished two different seasons working for Party City. Um, and on March 24th, here in a couple of weeks, she will be interviewing for um, a position or I guess a slot with the University of Iowa and their REACH program, which is a, a special college program for kids with intellectual disabilities. Wow, that's fantastic. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Normally can't say much good about Iowa, but <laughs> I can yeah, hear. It's a phenomenal program. <laughs> we, we've got a couple of Cyclone. I shouldn't say a couple. This whole podcast host is a Cyclone fan. <laughs> but, but Iowa does fantastic But we do know. In, uh, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. The, the Im- University of Iowa Reach program is yeah. worth rooting for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most certainly. Yeah. It, I kind of alluded to it in our introduction, but we've put together a, we're calling it the Ag Swag Auction. It's a fundraiser for the Travis Burkhart, Burkhart Foundation. Um, and you know, he, suffer, or he suffered a traumatic brain injury. So it's kind of interesting how these parallels are crossing uh, as we have this interview. But the amount of support in the ag community, both on ag Twitter and on Farm Talk, TikTok. has TikTok, yeah, the, the farm side of TikTok. Yeah, I can't believe it. I mean, I was looking forward to when we put this together to raise a thousand bucks, and as we're recording this now, we're well over ten thousand. Yeah. And, wow. And just getting started, it seems. Yeah. Because it it doesn't close till the end of the month, and we March know how twenty sixth. You know how those online auctions yeah. work. It, a lot of the bidding happens in the final days. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys saw what happened when we profiled uh, Liam. The young boy who had terminal brain tumor. Yep. My gosh, the amount of stuff yeah. that got shipped to him. And yeah. just it was just absolutely incredible. The the response, you know, you know, we were just talking a little bit ago about the trolls on social. There are an incredible number of people that are so generous yeah. and giving and thoughtful um, in social circles that it's pretty incredible. And now we have the ability to reach out to someone in California yeah. or Virginia or what I mean, because you see Australia, <laughs> you, you've historically seen that in the farming communities. If somebody has uh, an injury or an illness in a family, the community usually comes together and gets that crop planted, helps harvest. You know, yeah. you see that locally, but this is just a way for, you know, the world the nation outside yeah. of agriculture to see the the true generosity that is amongst those that you'd consider farmers. Yeah. 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 We didn't really steer the path of our networks colliding and expanding because we'd had a lot of our our listener base from the ag Twitter side. Yeah. And and towards the end of twenty twenty really started to grow at a significant rate from TikTok. What mm. what is yours and John Deere's vision of TikTok. Yeah. So uh, I I have tweeted this on my personal handle before, but if you look up the hashtag John Deere on TikTok, there's over 1 billion with a B views of videos just with the hashtag John Deere. That's not taking John Deere green, JD, John Deere tractor, you know, all the other forms. It's just might be up to 1.2 billion at this point. And we stepped back and took a look at that and thought, okay, number one, there's already a really robust community on TikTok that is celebrating our brand and and certainly not always in the ways we would endorse, but there is already a number of folks celebrating our brand and the ag industry as a whole. 
we want to be sure that when we launch our content on that channel, it means something. Mm -hmm. And it's not just to be part of it, but that we are adding value in some way, or we are differentiating our brand in a fun and interesting way that has sustainability. Because you guys know, if you're not creating content frequently for TikTok, you're behind, right? And so we wanted to make sure that TikTok didn't just become, oh, we're going to be at Farm Progress Show. Let's do some TikToks. Oh, we're going to be at FFA. Let's do, we wanted, we want, I I keep telling my team, you know, no pressure, but I'm like, (laughs) when we launch Deer's TikTok channel, I want it to be a story in Adweek magazine. I want people in the industry to say, wow, look at what John, I want to surprise people. I don't want it to be like, oh, this is, I mean, our fans are going to love, if we just did tractors every day, um, we would build an audience. Um, But I'm really challenging our team to make sure it exceeds expectations when Uh, we do. Shania Twain just started her TikTok and within the first post, had 650 some thousand followers. Well, you know, and also TikTok's harder for brands. We can't use any of the licensed music. We have to be careful what we share. It's, you know, the data itself is managed by China. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. I, you know, I mean, it's just, there's a little bit there. We're a little bit constrained perhaps more than an individual could be. So yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. I never thought about that either. Yeah, we can't even share. And you guys saw people are getting taken down just for sharing TikTok videos on Twitter, on Twitter yeah. because of licensed music. I need to go back. So to we we now can't even engage with farmer TikToks on Twitter, right? Like we have to be careful. Um, maybe yeah. it, maybe it is better that you have like the guys like Tillage Man Sam and stuff out there. That's because he's got some cool stuff. Like look at me moving yeah. this two thousand pound gang of discs with my finger with your finger yeah <laughs> with hydraulic assist you know that's right. pretty cool that's how we found him and to yeah. get him on as a yeah. guest so it certainly has and carries volume i just was curious because uh it's a wild frontier we're we're still trying to figure it out you you mentioned well, and i just told you how small my team is that's the yeah. other challenge tiktok is completely native we can't monitor that through oh, a software yeah. tool right and we have processes in place to ensure that before something's posted, there's been some approvals. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you've seen other brands that haven't had that. In yeah. Place. If you want to get into algorithms, there, there. I was another is, puzzle. That's even way worse. Than <laughs> yeah. Twitter or anything else. You can't. We wouldn't even be able to mo- like tr- follow. Oh my gosh. The way we can the timelines in Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Right. Huh. Yeah. That. That's. Uh... <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, you got to be careful because what was a it was. Women's Day, I can't remember what that was. Yeah, and uh, International Women's Day and Burger King made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I did not that didn't that. translate so well. Women are well. I can't Women remember. belong in the belong kitchen. in the kitchen. Oh, was their tweet? <laughs> oh, and that's the, a yikes the, tweet yeah. any day. What the hell? The intent, and by the way, I keep asking my team: was it a, was it really a mistake? Because I now know that only twenty percent of professional chefs are women. And the whole point of that Burger King campaign, which is accompanied by a full page ad and others, I would argue the tweet was ill-conceived, but the whole idea was to promote a new scholarship they have to get women 
engaged in culinary school oh. um, to become chefs, but that tweet did not go well and <laughs> was a bad idea. Thanks. Well, we we know that you're a little bit constrained for time, but I want to ask you a couple more questions if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I consider you, and I think a lot would consider you a influencer on social media, someone that they look to, uh, to get information from, or, you know, grab value out of what is posted. What are some accounts or some connections that you consider influencers to you? I said living legend. <laughs> you know, what I love about my personal feed is that it is a mix of marketing Twitter which is primarily East and West Coast marketing professionals and ag Twitter. And so when you think about, uh, like my feed is so inclusive of such a broad range of opinions <laughs> um, and perspectives that sometimes are completely in contrast. Right. Gosh, um, I have a lot of affinity and I, and I mentioned his name a lot for Matthew Kobach um, because he really did help me cultivate my own voice and gave me the courage to kind of step out a bit when it came to my social media feed. And he was the head of social for the New York Stock Exchange. And now he's at a startup company called Fast. Um, so I, I, I think he's been an, a powerful influence for me in, in how I built my own social media presence. I'm not saying this just because of your audience, but I absolutely love following anyone in ag Twitter. I, and I, I don't know that I could even put my name on any one. I have just so appreciated the opportunity to get people, to get to know people from behind the John Deere, like to get out from behind the John Deere handle. Um, I have a lot of folks that DM me a lot. I, I get guilty. <laughs> yeah. I, I get DMS and, and a lot of times, and I've made this point in my personal feed. Don't ever assume that PR and social knows what's happening. Um, I've had DMs on a Saturday night on a holiday weekend from people like, hey, Jen, I don't know if you know this, but John Deere's being mentioned. You know, it's like 10 o'clock at night on Labor Day weekend. And I found find out there's a crisis brewing yeah. um, online, right? And and so I have I have people sending me TikToks, you know, that, hey, I think, you know, you might want to see this. This is really cool. Um, I have people that disagree with things about deer and they want me to know about it. Um, I think all of that's been really incredible. It's been valuable for me. And also, by the way, encouraging that people trust me. Oh, yeah, that's big. Uh, right. That that people trust me. And I was I'll be honest, I was a little bit worried coming on this podcast a lot of people are. <laughs> well, <laughs> because there's something about, you know, knowing who the social media person is behind the handle, right? Yeah, right. And I, you know, I want people to see the Deer brand as the Deer brand and not Jen Hartman. Sometimes a little bit uncomfortable when people tag both me and the Deer handle. I could see that. <laughs> because I, you know, it's not always me. And I'm not solely behind the content that's being played across there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just always want to kind of be careful that I never want to be that person that's in my personal feed. I very rarely retweet deer. Very rarely. Yeah. You know, I, that's something that I've, I shouldn't say grown, but that's a word I'm going to use is since I am running the farm for profit account mm -hmm. is I used to, okay, farm for profit tweeted. I'd go to my personal account, hit like and retweet. Yeah. And I don't do that anymore. I mean, right. it, unless it's something that I really 
found unique or or really think that needs to get put out. Otherwise, no, I try to keep those separate. I'll still promote guests. I'll still, you yeah. know. I mean, you're sugarcoating a little bit because you would have conversations with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that's fun, though. Five <laughs> different burner accounts. <laughs> Just to drum up some traction there. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if the tweet that you sent out about the mullet of saddle tanks going to be uh, on the mullet of ag podcast if you tagged her and John Deere or if you just I think he did and (laughs) I did not like it until Quentin said something like I'm looking for it oh this will be good I I liked someone yeah. Someone said Quentin something Quentin or Kale about it. or someone, yeah. Someone someone that wasn't on the blacklist had to come in and say something <laughs> positive before she could interact. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> right, I do. I on a very very small scale, I totally get exactly what you're saying. The other question that I wanted to ask was yeah. I know that you uh probably get to different events and have gotten to meet a lot of people through your position. Yeah. Who uh, is the coolest person? Do you know what? Here's the thing. Like I just told you, I didn't build my, my social presence until the pandemic, like until right before the (laughs) pandemic, I cannot wait for the first farm show because I can't wait to meet people. I can't, I have not had the opportunity to meet anyone in person. Honestly, didn't even think about that. That's a really dumb question now that I, that I put into perspective. I've not, and we haven't, you know, like, because I didn't have my personal handle, a lot of people didn't know me. Right. Like they didn't make the connection to the deer handle. So it's only been within this past 12 months that I've in, started engaging with people and got to know people one on one. That's a good so point. And what's I'm it pre- going to be? Farm Progress Show? The Farm for Profit I, Conference? Yeah. <laughs> gosh, I don't know, but I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I It's like I just want to have like a big, I would love to just have everyone from Ag Twitter get together and. Wouldn't that be fun? I think we should do it. We can put all your favorite foods together for that too. (laughs) (laughs) And and I always take a clip out of each podcast and put it ahead of our intro music. And I'm pretty sure I just found that clip. It's going to be me saying that was a really dumb question, and Jen saying, "Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that was dumb." I, I really do appreciate, and I, I say I every time I do this, but we really appreciate you taking the time to jump on our podcast. Like I said, uh, have really looked up to your Twitter account for a long time, was floored when you responded to DMs. And I know the first DM I sent wasn't even about the podcast. It was about connecting to somebody else locally. So yeah, uh, really appreciate your willingness to help, the way that you engage in Ag Twitter. Uh, it was fun to learn that you didn't grow up in a farm household or a farming family. Right. Uh, but yet chose to take your talents and your story to an agricultural related company. Uh, I, I just find that truly astounding. Yeah, that's amazing. So I still appreciate having you guys just being here, being asked. Um, I know you hear probably from a lot of your guests, but sometimes you think like, well, how, how could my story possibly be interesting? Um, so thank you. Everybody's story is interesting. And that's, that's yeah. what we get to tell people is yeah. it doesn't matter who you are how famous you think you are or what your social media following is. Everybody has a story that's worth hearing. Yep. Uh, and it's fun to have a medium that we can share those on. I, I yeah. learned that from Rob Sharkey, you know, cause he had me on his XM show a couple years back and I was like, why would, why do you want to interview me? You know, there's nothing, nothing interesting about me. He's like, you just leave that to me. That's my job. Mm-hmm. Like, All right, cool. Yeah. So, so the, the last question that we ask all of our guests is, since we are the Farm for Profit podcast, even though this is a Farm for Fun show, 
we try to share with our audience a collective list of what the most successful people are doing or what the what a common trait they all have. So we're going to spring that one on you. Out of the most successful people that you've met, what do you feel that they all have in common, whether it's an action, a trait, or or something else? Self-awareness. Being aware of... Maybe I'll take this back. Because part of being self-aware is it, it, it's, I just said this to someone who works works for me today, is that um, being a strong communicator does not mean you need to be in communications. The best leaders are incredible communicators. And, and part of that is being self-aware, being able to read the room, understanding where you fit in the conversation um, and um, what people need to hear or what they're looking to hear. Right. Yeah. And that comes from self-awareness. I knew we'd get a good answer. I, I kind of feel like that sometimes too. Like I'm trying to be a chameleon almost like you can go to any group of people and, and blend in and know what to say, when to say it. It it is hard to define self-awareness, isn't it? But you know it when someone doesn't have it. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They usually say something that's just completely, um, off the mark. Yeah. Yep. Like, where did that come from? Yep. Right. Yep. So, well, you got anything else for us? Otherwise, we probably need to let you get going. Anything you want to let let all your followers know? Nothing. Just Nothing. um, I I just you know I mentioned that being able to get on the dear Twitter handle at night and the weekends. Um, I just cannot tell you how much gratitude I have for the community we've built there and the fun engagement we've had with people um, and, and honestly, just the incredible support. Deer is a big company. We get beat up a lot and it has been so fulfilling um, to know that that community there uh, is friendly and accepting and they're not blaming the people on the other side of the, (laughs) of the Twitter handle for perhaps, you know, some issues they might have with our company at large, but, um, it's just been, it has been the favorite part of my job, um, in the, in, and in the career I've had, um, the absolute highlight of my career. Yeah. Well, I can tell you after getting to know you and, and a little bit of the background of deer and how much, uh, they put into the, to having people like you, I want to go buy a tractor, a John Deere tractor, like right now. Yes. Right now. <laughs> no. No, truly though, we, we thank you for your time. Uh, we appreciate you setting aside the time for the conversation and, and being completely open with us and, and passing that message on to our listeners. Uh, we, we can't share more thanks than what we can verbally. And that's never going to go far enough. Thank you. Yeah. And my DMS are open. And well, I do respond to slide people. Slide on yes. in. So for those listeners that don't know your Twitter handle, could you share that with them? At Jen Allison, J-E-N-A-L-Y-S-O-N. I'm sure everybody follows you already, but yep. in case that's how you find Jen, thank you again. And listeners, remember thank to you. like, rate, review, and share. Mm-hmm. And for the short time being, venture out to the Farm for Profit website. We've got the links on, out there for the BW Fusion offer. And most importantly, the Travis Burkhart Foundation charity auction. Yep. That's going to close out here pretty quick. So wander on over. IowaAuctions.com is yep. the easiest way to get there. Yep. Either the link on the website or IowaAuctions.com. It closes March 26th. Get out there, bid early, bid often. Yep. What do you think, Corey? I say uh, 
Crack a Goose Island beer, mix a drink. You deserve it. Intro music recorded by Tyler Richton and the High Bank Boys. Commentary added by Elena Montemagni. And credit to bensound.com for music.